0: a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. Hello and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. My name is Hannah Munro, your host, and today with me I have Louisa Weinstein to talk about conflict resolution. So Louisa's got a wonderful um, resume. So she is the founder of the Conflict Resolution Centre. She has written a book called The Seven Principles of Conflict Resolution. And she is also the conflict resolution expert for Across the Red Line on Radio 4. So that is a wonderful um, resume, Louisa. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your story and where you came from. And I'm really interested to know a bit more about your show, Across the Red Line okay uh so I started off in corporate law I started off as a corporate
1: lawyer partly because I was I I had the idea that you know that was that was the thing that one must do and so I went into law went into corporate law and worked very hard it wasn't a great fit for me I was although I loved making deals it wasn't building documents in the way that you need to it was not something that made me really really happy um and but what was really interested in that experience is that when you put in a document when i put in a document to my partner the partner would go through it they would put red lines all the way through it they'd tell me all the things that i'd got wrong they'd hand it back to me i'd say thank you very much and i'd do that with my trainees and that was the way of working And when I then went into business with a client of mine uh, developing what now would be apps around organizational development, uh, when I would tell people how badly they'd done and how they needed to improve and how it needed to be perfected in this way and expected them to come back and say, thank you very much for your valuable input, I was instead um, faced with animosity, irritation, undermining, I, and I couldn't really understand it until my sister pointed me to fa- to neighbourhood mediation. She said, why don't you become a volunteer neighbourhood mediation to train to, to do that and maybe you'll pick up some skills. I think she'd got the measure of me. So I went into ma- neighbourhood mediation and I trained, I had the privilege, the great privilege to train as a community mediator in Camden. And it completely put all the things uh, I had, all the way, the approaches that I had had to being an advisor on, on its head moving from telling people what to do to enabling people to make decisions. And these were really big decisions. These were neighbours living on top of each other in council estates in very close environments where, you know, if things go wrong, they can get really, really nasty. And I saw actually all those years ago, about over 15 years ago, the dyna- how the dynamics in a neighbourhood were very similar to the dynamics in a workplace. How when we brush up against each other and we don't know how to deal deal with it we really create some serious problems that really affect us deeply and viscerally because this is our you know livelihoods our homes our 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 essence that are affected and so I completely fell in love with mediation at a time when people thought that it was meditation unfortunately (laughs) Um, so no one had a clue (laughs) building building and now obviously people do much more but also building an understanding of of so I trained as a civil and commercial mediator'm a workplace mediator but I also looked at the dynamics of conflict quite closely and how actually it doesn't take mediation or a mediator to preempt and deal with the with conflicts and that conflict provides the most amazing opportunity for growth and change and i think particularly during covid when in fact we're so used to now change we're adapting to change quite quickly many of us or or, or feeling we need to so so that's really the potted history i built the uh, the conflict resolution center and then across the red line i was very uh, privileged to be invited to come as a as, as one of the conflict resolution experts on across the red line and what we do there is uh take people from across different sides of the political debate to discuss things in a very different way, and the results have been very, very interesting. We're starting that
0: again in October. That's that sounds incredibly interesting because I I think politics is one of those things, isn't it? There's always you know you're, you're one side or the other. There's very little, um, I would say, constructive debate around it, and everyone seems to pick a side and then not move. So. what are the sort of challenges that you've faced with taking two people with very different opinions and actually getting them to an agreement have you managed it as part of the show yeah I mean I think the
1: the outcome is not for me to want them to come to an agreement because I need to not invest in that agreement as the mediator or the person on the outside the more you invest the less the parties involved are invested in in finding an agreement. And also agreement isn't always the the goal. Agreement is not always the the right answer. So one of the challenges is that, and I found this a lot in, in legal services as well, you have to be right, you're paid to be right. So you build everything on the basis that I'm right and you're wrong. So you take that positional argument. But in fact, agreements are not reached on positions agreements are reached on the basis of common interests and common needs of finding where are the commonalities of our interests and our needs where do we need to build agreement where can we find some synergies um instead of and, and that's as i said never going to be in pointing out how wrong you are and it's it, it is interesting how people complain so much about the uh, the toxic political debate but it's a very very difficult line to manage because you've got to be right but to but to negotiate an argument you've got to be willing to let go and you do that through questions I mean in Across the Red Line we we really just use it help them to use a lot of questions and to listen and really that's the basis of of every single uh, resolution of every single agreement it seems so simple questions open questions and listening but it can get a bit complicated. It can get tricky. Did you know that 70% of CFOs still make decisions based on gut feeling rather than actual data? Join Hannah Monroe, your host of CFO 4.0, for an online presentation where she discusses what you need to truly become a data-driven finance leader. This session will not only talk about the why, but we'll also identify how you can automate your financial operations and get meaningful data to drive your business forwards. Check out the link in the show notes or visit our events page at www.itasolutions.co.uk.
0: And I guess especially at the moment, there's a lot of conflict um within workplaces as businesses transition to remote working or back into the office as the case may be and I know that's a challenge for a, a lot of our listeners and you know finance teams you know that they, they 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 can work from home but sometimes it's not the best way to work so talk to us a little bit about how um how how we can approach conflict you know whether it's small conflicts or big conflicts and what the key things we need to think about
1: well, I think we need to start from the basis, the context in which we're operating, which is that people have experienced a huge amount of fear and continue to, to experience fear. Uncertainty creates fear and that lack of um, solidity, you know, particularly if you're in a profession where things are generally stable, uh, things are generally known. You know, if you look at the numbers or if you look at the coding or whatever it is, you know, there there are some there are some knowns. And in this environment, there are constant unknowns. You know, a couple of weeks ago, people were preparing to come back to the office. Now we're not. So that creates fear, anxiety um, and, and and lots of experiences and, and and feelings that people aren't necessarily used to dealing with. And it has had a visceral impact on people emotionally. We all know people have gone through um, loss. They've gone through fear of financial insecurity. They've gone through actual financial change. So you have to see that as a context and um, ensure that any conversation that you're having with someone is starting from that humanistic point of view. The second part of the question, you'll have to remind me.
0: (laughs) that's all right. No, because it was a long question. So actually, I want to dig down into what you said though. So you talked about um, having, you know, having that initial conversation and starting from the fact. So is it an acknowledgement of the fact that they're going through all of these things? How does, how do you address it? And how, you know, how do you maintain empathy without necessarily moving away from your goal? Well, you've
1: got to be careful. some people don't want to talk about how they're feeling, <laughs> uh, and and that's fair enough. You what you need to get underneath is uh, you need to ask the question. So assume nothing. So how are you? How are things going? Now someone might just say fine. Um, someone you might see there's more to it, and and you need to really explain that you really do want to know how things have been going for them, and and. Acknowledge and understand that they 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 might not want to you know um, respect that this is not necessarily a conversation that everyone wants to have or needs to have. Then you need to focus on the nuts and bolts on of 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 what needs to happen and and of your agenda. You need to be very clear on. What your agenda is, what you'd like to happen is, uh, what you'd like to happen is, how you'd like to see things. But I'd suggest that before you enter into that conversation, you also have a good think about what you assume the other person's position to be, where you think the other person is. And then check that position out because you we never know where another person is, what another person's thinking, what changes another person's been through. Be able to have that open conversation. But then you're going to need to set those You know, there are limits, aren't there? We can't give employees everything. There may be some things we can negotiate. There may be things that we can't. And what's tricky when you start asking people how they are and what they want is that at some point you might have to say, first of all, I can't hear how you are anymore. That's the end of the conversation. Um, We've run out of time and um what you know i can't give you what you want that's what that's why people don't ask other people what they want because we're often so scared of not being able to to give it to them particularly again if we come from a background where we are fixers where we fix things we have solutions and in this environment sometimes we are not going to have solutions so you need to prepare your your negotiating stance. you need to be very very clear about that and where the where the wiggle room is on that and again that might be unclear because it might be it it might be it it, it might be there might be softer you know it's not just a fact or a target it's a you know how we're going to work from home and how do I ensure that you know you show up and you deliver and you know questions like well if you deliver but you don't do your hours you know, what are my expectations? What are your expectations? All those, all those challenging conversations. I need to be clear about what I want, where my wiggle room is, and then I need to listen to where the other person is. And then I might need to go away and reflect on it, on what that negotiation is. It needs to be slowed down in order that we don't waste time, actually.
0: Yeah, because that's always the, the, those kind of questions are really tricky, isn't it? Because they imply a lack of trust. And that's the last thing that you want your, your team to think that you have a lack of trust in them. But sometimes you have to question and make sure that, you know, you're all on the same page. So, you know, is it just that you have to ask those difficult questions and that's just part of the, you know, the, the resolution process or yeah. How, how do you get over that sort of, that fear of asking that question in the first place well I think you need to
1: be prepared to listen to the answer and really ground that answer and your understanding of it because as you say the response might come back a little bit um, guarded and from that you might sense that they are picking up that you don't trust them Mm. And, and, and maybe you don't fully trust them so maybe we do have to have a conversation about how we build that trust and make sure you know the targets are there but also you know is it really necessary for them to work all those hours or can they actually deliver faster if they're working remotely we don't know we need to have those discussions and they need to be grown up discussions and the and the thing is that that everyone needs to be equipped to have those discussions and that that's a bigger that's a bigger issue
0: Absolutely, because it happens at all different levels. And conflict's not just about whether somebody works from home, it's not just about their performance. It can also be their feelings about, you know, a a transformation or a an implementation of a new project, you know, a new software. So that is something that we we see a lot is resistance to change generally. Um, and it's not just for change's sake, you can obviously see there's an underlying fear. So, how would you approach that situation? So where somebody um, is, you know, either subtly or overtly resisting um, the an implementation or is not quite playing their part, Should we say, how would you approach that?
1: There are lots of parts to that because they may have already told you why they're resisting and that that conversation, so you need to look at that conversation that's already possibly been had. And mm-hmm. um, that maybe, I don't know, you, you've said, well, yes, you may disagree, but we have to go with it anyway. So it's possible that that conversation needs to be kind of resurrected a bit and had in a different kind of way, because people are often not necessarily upset about the fact that you're not going with what they're saying. It's often the way that 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 was taken on board. and And also, OK, so you think that we're doing it in the wrong way. I really get that, but we've decided to do it in this way. So what are we going to do about that? You effectively need to coach the other person through their resentments towards you and not be afraid of that. You know, I see that you're really upset with me about that. Um, and, and 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 also you need to manage your feelings around that because you are going to have a lot of feelings around or some feelings around that, some responses to that. You may have some intellectual arguments that means that they're wrong around that you need to go and wear away and work all those out not so that you can have the argument with them but so that you're clear on where you are you know i really hear that you think it's wrong and that it's frustrating you and you don't want to engage with it where i am in this scenario is that we're doing it because x y and z now i understand you don't feel you can come with us on that so I'm wondering what you think we're gonna do about that because it's really important for me right now that we work as a team or whatever it is. So, you know, how do we how do we stay on board with that? Now, that might, you've got to be careful with that because that might feel like, uh, right, so if you don't come with me, do you wanna stay or do you wanna go? But, you know, you don't wanna be saying that obviously, but there is something in that. You know, you've chosen to work here. Um, You've chosen to work with me. Um, you don't agree with the direction. So what You know what does that mean? Does that mean that you don't want to work with me anymore? Or, or does it mean that we have to find a way through? And that kind of challenge point is a really good point because it hits the reality of, of where we actually are instead of kind of skirting around it. Having said that, you really need to be confident in your skills to have those conversations. And they need to be very much about supporting that other person and being staying where they are being with them so they might say i don't think it's right i don't think it's the right direction you know so okay so what do you think is the right direction well i don't know okay so what what do you want to do with that what do, you know do you want to go away and think about it and come back to me but don't run away from it they think it's the wrong direction okay
0: now that's a really interesting point that you said there about almost offering making them realize they have a choice to be there and i i find that fascinating isn't it because they do have a choice they might li- not like the choice they're being given but at the end of the day the business needs to do what the business needs to do and by saying to them well you're choosing to be here you've chosen to work for this business this business has made the decision around this And you know how do we Make this work as a as a way forwards. So yeah. that's I've never even thought of it like that.
1: It's a, it, it is a very sensitive rupture point. But what it can do, if done well, is it creates an opportunity for someone to rethink actually and recommit to to where they are, and also to accept. Sometimes we have to accept that our careers aren't you know perfect today. You know, the business and my career and my work isn't going in the direction that I want it to today. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to leave the business, but it does mean I really need to rethink about what my priorities are personally within my job. So in a way, take my job as a as a, you know, as if I'm a, a business
0: within the business and then and then see what I want to do with it. And that's fascinating. And obviously at the moment, everything is shifting towards a remote model. So does the principles of conflict and how you manage it, is there any differences to doing it remotely versus in person?
1: Yes, there are definitely differences. And it's really interesting because dealing with conflict situations, if I'm working with you and we have a conflict situation and I'm hoping to help manage you through it and I'm hoping also that you might be helping me to manage me through it as well that's the ideal scenario but say for just just for starters I'm helping you to manage through that conflict situation so engaging you remotely is more difficult so for example it's much easier to avoid the situation and um, in professional services there was a lot of avoidance it's easier you just get on with the work and don't have to talk to the person so Actually, getting the person engaged in having a conversation um, is quite tricky. So you need to kind of prod them, you need to understand their response to conflict, which to be honest, will take another half an hour to talk (laughs) about. I'm not gonna go into that right now. (laughs) Um but also picking up signals and signs of what where the person is is a can be a little bit more tricky. We can't read body language, we don't get a sense on one level. But then I think on another level, people have found that actually sitting with people and talking to them in their homes has increased the level of intimacy. Even if you just see, you know, a member of my family come across the scene, it makes you more aware of my humanity and also of the things that I might have to deal with. So in a way that increases the ability to have a more relaxed conversation a more human conversation so but there are lots of you know there are lots of games that we play in you know avoiding interactions in you know masking our um challenges Um, so yeah we need to we need to balance both but i think i think there is an opportunity in um they say the intimacy is into me see and you know you're looking and not that any you know not that anyone necessarily in a very professional environment wants to be too intimate but if you look at it on that level into me see you're seeing into me into my life you know i can start to work with you as a as a person even though i can't necessarily pick up everything the other thing is that i might have a conversation with you and then afterwards think mm, i'm not sure that i that came across right i'm not sure that landed right and then, and then think, you know, don't, necessarily, don't email straight away saying, ooh, that conversation we just had, I'm not sure that we said it right or did it right. Think about it, ruminate on it and what, you know, whether it, whether it worked or not and what you want to do about that. And then maybe collate a few others and then come back to the other person. I think the other thing is regular check-ins and the way we do that does need to change when we're working remotely.
0: Month Ends Close is one of the most time consuming and stressful processes for financial teams. of mid-sized organisations take over a week and between two and five staff members to complete their close. Join us, the ITIS team, for our on-demand webinar where we look at key findings from a close-the-book survey conducted with 762 participants across a range of industries and platforms. Learn how Brian Goldrick from Vera Whole Health shortened his clothes by 60%, increased team efficiencies by 25%, and 10 best practices that you can take to reduce your clothes. Visit www.itisolutions.co.uk and go to our events page or click on the link in the show notes to sign up now. And what do you mean by that? How how does it need to change?
1: So I uh, work to a format a weekly check-in that I think is is very, very powerful, in which you talk about, um, well, actually, we start with appreciation. So what I appreciate about you, um, about what you've done. So often when we're in a very stressful situation, we don't appreciate anything about the other person. In fact, they just <laughs> irritate us. So if I start a meeting with an appreciation, I have to think about what I appreciate about that other person. You know, I appreciate the fact that you turn up to the meetings on time. Even though I think that you should always turn up to the meetings on time. I appreciate that you bought that thing or that you did that thing, even though that I assume that you should do that anyway. It, because it does actually increase my level of appreciation and it also makes me conscious, conscious of the level of my expectations and level of my resentments. So if I turn those into appreciations and start the conversation with that, that's very, very helpful. And also helps you see the things that are important to me but also it helps you feel appreciated which is a good place to start um, then you can cover things like um, challenges puzzles puzzles so a puzzle again it's very much business orientated but we if you frame it as a puzzle you look at um you look at it from a well it might not be resolved It's not necessarily but it's something puzzle it's something we play with it's something we need to work with it's something that doesn't necessarily have an answer and because everything's so answer 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 based it removes the the ability to breathe and think about it so framing it as a puzzle and having it as a you know what are our puzzles this week what are your puzzles this week and then you can have things like hopes and dreams they're a really good one to put in you know what are your colleagues hopes and dreams even for the project um, and then again we check in with that regularly and then uh, complaints and recommendations because that's the one that we always want to start with you know what you've done wrong and what I recommend you do about it <laughs> but that <laughs> but that the complaint goes with the recommendation so if I've got a complaint then I need to be thinking about what my recommendation might be and also take them as complaints okay that's part of our agenda again it's not something that I need to action right now but again there
0: are ways of having those conversations
1: I've forgotten what the fifth one is <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's brilliant and to be fair I think that's a great way of thinking about that structure and formalizing it but still making sure that it it has that sort of conversational tone which is lovely I remember oh, it's go- new information it's new information
1: <laughs> the so new information so- is it's a really important one as well new information yes it might be new information about the about the project or the situation, but new information may also be my, um, you know, my child is off school for the next two weeks because their class is down with COVID. That's quite important information that I might leave out of a team meeting, I might just get on with it and deal with it. But actually it's important new information. if I have to school, okay, my new information is that actually my, my kid's off for a couple of weeks.
0: And that could impact in terms of performance. And if you didn't know about it, you might approach it slightly differently. might and you, or, you know, you, your child is sick and you've had to take some time off. You know, Yes. It, also,
1: also, people don't necessarily want to make a big deal out of it. You know, I'm handling it. I'm dealing with it. I'm getting on with it. But actually, and, and, and it might all be handled and dealt with and got on with. But actually, you might want to know that because you might care that, you know, you,
0: that, that's a stressful thing. Absolutely. And brilliant recommendations. I can already see how that could really add some value to um, a, a check-in. So if if we think about some of the scenarios that our listeners might be going through, so we talked about um, remote working, we talked about digital transformation and, you know, direct conflicts. What about subtle sabotage? Because that can sometimes be a real challenge to address, you know, when it's not overt. So how would you handle that kind of conflict where it's not as confrontational perhaps as um as as others you need to see what you observe and play it back so what
1: i'm seeing is this behavior that behavior i I mean don't frame it as a behavior I, i you know i see that you're not speaking up in meetings um that you're you know the whatever it is whatever the resistant look at the resistant behaviors first and actually it's good to just notice them You know, I can think that someone's being offish and holding back on a project. And in fact, it's got nothing to do with the project. So I need to get my facts clear. And that's what it is. It's about mirroring back what I see. This is what I'm seeing. And then allowing the other person to come back and and tell them what it is from their perspective, tell you what it is from their perspective. And the honest truth is that they may obfuscate. They may say that it's not true. They may say that what you're seeing isn't true, um, because they don't necessarily want to accept it, but they may hit. they'll have heard what you've said. Um, and it's a kind of a good starting point. So don't go back and say, no, but you did do that. Um instead reflect back or mirror back again. Okay, so for you, you're that's not what you're doing, and, and for me, that's what I'm experiencing. And 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 just let that sit for a bit because actually just presenting your reality can be enough um yeah
0: and because and, that's a really interesting pieces I think I, I'm one of those I fully admit it I like to feel the space and um, silence is not a place I'm I'm particularly comfortable with and actually it's a really Important tool to allow time for reflection is what I think you're saying to me. It's time for reflection, but it's also
1: time for the message to land. I don't have to go on and on and on about how you're making this project difficult. I can just present back what I'm seeing and allow that, allow you to kind of process because you're going to feel uncomfortable about that. If I tell you that I've seen that you're making it difficult. You're going to feel uncomfortable about that, and you might, in the first instance, react to me. So, I so, I mean, there's a process. There's a process to work through that. But you know, just it, it, you need to be se- sensitive with it, and and yeah, don't over-egg the
0: pudding. Uh, and would you would you just let it settle and then leave that thought with them, or would you actually then address the con the concern and the impact of their decisions um, right. and how it, their behaviour? It depends how urgent it, it
1: is. I think you've got to be really careful of blaming and shaming and more moving towards uh, allowing them to take responsibility. And then there are consequences. So, um, so you know, explain the impact of their behaviour on you, on the project. Um, ask them how they can deal with this. Um, and then um, And then, you know, there are consequences, but it's their choice that you know that consequence is their choice instead of you're not doing that and then you know and then it turning into an argument But i did do it well you okay so you feel like you've done it but for me it wasn't done as completely as it needed to be so could you do it differently could you do it more completely this is the time for really clear really clear about boundaries again absolutely what i expect these my boundaries is what i expect i expect and i'm being fair and and also, this is what I'm observing, maybe a bit, you know, being open to the fact that what I'm observing isn't the truth or that I might have made a mistake. And that is hard.
0: Yeah, because there is there is a piece, isn't there, where what you see is is and your perception is influenced by how you're feeling at the time and, you know, your your previous experience in a similar scenario. So there's all sorts of things that go into your perception and what you're actually seeing and digesting might not actually be reality or complete reality yeah yeah so uh, yeah yeah they they do say that phrase don't they your version of the truth my version of the truth and the reality is somewhere in the middle yeah so and when obviously with with this so you can obviously try as hard as you can to get to the right the right point or a point where you you've come to some sort of resolution we won't say the word agreement because we we know that that might not ever that might not be the case So when is mediation appropriate and what sort of circumstances would you look or suggest and, you know, somebody to mediate a situation?
1: I think that there are various touch points and we're talking about in the workplace uh, situation. I think I think what um, managers can do is I, I think it's really important, particularly now that managers build up their skills. So what sometimes has happened is that it's all passed to HR and it's so and it escalates the situation. So to ha- to be able to have those kind of peer coaching conflict resolution conversations is quite important. Um, but there, there might be a point where people disengage. And I think that is often where mediation low level mediation can be very, very helpful when people are just not having the same conversation and where things need to be, uh, where decisions need to be taken quickly, where ne- things need to be moved through more quickly. Um, but it's also important to try and have that culture within the organization so people don't think oh you know we've got mediation oh it's a big deal mediation doesn't have to be a big deal but it does have to be done by people who know how to do it so I think the answer of your, to your question is because me, sorry mediation is a process the mediator manages the process a lot of us say oh we're mediating when we're not we mediate when we apply the mediation process and there are you know that there, there are areas around it being voluntary confidential you, that is quite tricky to manage in a workplace situation you've got to uh, um, the mediator is impartial how do you make sure that 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 happens you, you know you might need to bring in an external mediator or um, not always not always but you need, need to have someone that can manage all those safety elements because they are the elements that make agreement uh, happen and sustainable and ensure that the that the parties are well looked after during what is quite tricky. It's not easy falling out with someone. It's not easy being confronted with the fact that you've fallen out with someone. So I think at the point at which you think, I can't, I'm not sure where to go with this, and or where people are mentally feeling not very well, it's quite a good time to start engaging in in, in mediation. And or where
0: you have hit a critical point where things need to be dealt with now. Yeah, when you need a speedy resolution rather yeah. than being able to take your time and find your way through it. Yeah. Brilliant. And we, we talked a lot about employee, employer, you know, team leader and employee um, mediation. Well, what if it's not necessarily with somebody within your organization? What if it's with external parties like supplier? Is the process any different in terms of how you approach?
1: It is very different. And I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about this at the moment because businesses need to be to move with speed at the moment. They need to make decisions quickly. They need to know um, where they are financially quickly. And often claims of even between five and ten thousand pounds can really hinder the business and they can be resolved and, and, and you can incur that same amount in legal fees really quickly so although it's really important to get legal advice mediation can often help resolve those things quite quickly particularly financial disputes that need to um need to get sorted because you know it's cash flow it's bank balance it's all those things you need to know where you are so i'd say with a commercial dispute with a contract with a contractor or with a supplier or even with a kind of partnership organization Mediation needs to come in quickly. It's it's a much it's a less it depends on the relationship, but often it's much more about um, having a really, really great structure to facilitate those tricky negotiations quickly um, in a framework that, that that ensures that you're covered. And I think that that's really important right now. And this, you know, this, you can set that up within two weeks as opposed to the court process, which is going to be much longer, particularly now
0: absolutely especially with the shift to a lot of the court cases trying to find ways to do it remotely as well um and and if obviously i've what i've learned from today is that actually mediation and conflict resolution is definitely a skill and from what you're saying it's actually one that can be learned and developed so tell us a bit about if, if people do want to learn more about um conflict resolution and how to do it is there any recommendations that you can give them
1: yeah, so we have just an entry point uh, set of trainings that, are, that really make a difference. One is on building team relationships remotely. So that's all about how we uh, overcome these conflicts. But at the same time, use conflict or tensions as a catalyst for change to build the relationships. Actually, those conflicts have the potential to build the relationships. And also, and, and we look there at those check ins in more detail to make them really, really effective because there are a lot of places where we can fall over. And we also have a training on negotiating difficult conversations remotely. So making sure that you've got a really sure framework, both for commercial and workplace uh, negotiations or tricky conversations that you're anticipating, that really make sure that you're structured in that negotiation and that it, and it goes well. And from there, we do peer conflict coaching, but. I'll, I'll uh, put those links in in, uh, in your podcast so that people have access to those. And we're right. actually, yeah, we're launching those online so you can do them anytime very soon.
0: Wonderful. And if um, if people want to get hold of you um, and have a chat about a specific scenario or get some help or some support, yeah. what's the best way to get hold of you? They can do that. I have a, um, they can actually
1: book that straight into my diary i give you the link for that as well and we do so we sometimes you just need a conflict coaching conversation sometimes you just need a conversation that says how do I get through the situation with my whoever with my contractor with my employee with my boss and we can have those conversations and, and move things on and yeah I think it's really important obviously
0: <laughs> <laughs> well and and from Everything you're saying, I, I'm going to be honest, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I have learned a lot just listening to this conversation. And um, yeah, I've definitely put those links to those trainings in the podcast description because I can imagine so many of our audience would be interested in learning more. And, you know, it's a skill that I think a lot of us don't have and it's not one that's taught normally. So thank you so much, Louisa. It's been fabulous. Thank you, Nana. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I actually have a favour to ask. Reviews and shares are incredibly important to the success of any podcast. If you could spare a minute to share this episode on your social network or leave us a comment to tell us what you liked, I would really appreciate it. Feel free to tell me what topics interest you most. I would really love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to check out our late, latest CFO 4.0 webinar on budgeting and planning in a volatile environment. Click the link in the show notes or visit www.itassolutions.co.uk and click on our events page for more info and great content. And if you want to reach out at any point tell us what you liked, tell us what we can do better, then feel free. Just email us at cfopodcast at Thank you and speak soon.